Hey everybody, it is Stacy Higginbotham and my co-host Kevin Tofel. And you are listening to the Internet of Things podcast. Da, 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 da. Yay! Is that our new theme music? I, I was just going to say that sounded <laughs> kind of theme music-y since we don't have any. I'm actually going to pick out theme music and, and get it in very soon. All and right. Today I'm actually going to record a closing because I realized hmm. for all the poor people out there who are like, I think the show just ended. <laughs> yeah, you kind of want to give them a little heads up. Be like, yeah. thank you for listening. I think that's all I need, right? Sure. Yeah, that's fine. I think I think we're all on board with that. We're all on board with something other than the person being like, yeah, thanks for having me. That was fun. And then, Click. no. <laughs> This is not the Internet of Things, so let's let's get down to it. First things up, Kevin, you woke up at 3 a.m. on was it Friday night? Oh, Friday morning uh, on the East Coast. I know I'm still I'm still tired from that. Yeah, that was to pre-order the Apple Watch, uh, which honestly, after playing with the device twice, I'm not going to say I'm not impressed by it, but I don't know that I need it. However, from a work perspective, to test gadgets and try different things, I did buy one. Uh, well, I mean, rephrase that. I pre- oh my gosh, over- Kevin, did you get it or not? No, <laughs> nobody got it. Uh-uh. It launched, but you can't get it yet. And April 24th, you'll be able to go into a store and still not get it because all you can do is order it online. Uh, no, so I don't have it. And in fact, at 3.07, that was seven minutes after the pre-orders began, it had already pushed me back to a mid-May delivery date. So I'm not even going to have it on April 24th when it quote-unquote launches. Uh, and I, it, shame on me, I ordered the most popular Apple Watch with the most popular color and, of course, the most popular colored band. I got a space gray aluminum sport model with black sport strap. And, yeah, everybody else got that, too. Um, so $350 later, I am waiting about five weeks for the device. Okay. So was there an option to get, like, a hot pink strap? Absolutely. Um, although, and, and I have some data from Slice Intelligence t- talking about who ordered what. And Slice, I don't know if you've ever used Slice. Um, it's for iOS and Android. You can, you get Slice and what it does is it monitors your email. So it finds receipts, emailed receipts from things you order online. And then they actually gather that data and get rid of all your personal information. And they can put together reports. And they put a report together on Monday and said that the pink strap and one of the other pastel colors, these are they like the iPod touch colors, uh, were like only 4% of people ordered those. Uh, so I, I did not, I did, you know, I could have gotten that, but I didn't want that. I want something I can wear every day in pretty much all settings. And yeah, I don't think the pastel pink or blue or whatever was, is my thing for that. I could have worn the pastel pink or blue all day, every day. Really? Sure. Uh, you know, you, you could pull that off. I could not. I, although I say this wearing a white pebble band. I, but... I see the white pebble watch there. Yeah. It goes well. See, it's going. It goes with my current outfit right now. Yeah, hot you, pink would have worked. You got the whole monochrome thing going on here. I do, black, yeah. white, and gray. Yeah. For so. those of you who are listening in on the radio and don't <laughs> see my outfit. <laughs> yeah. So I, I am excited to get the watch because of the potential that it brings. Um, and this actually may lead a little bit into WWDC. Oh, I was going to say you can tell by the time it comes out, maybe we'll have HomeKit devices, and you can start playing around with it. I. I suspect we're not going to have uh, a big home kit push until June 8th, which is when WWDC takes place at Moscone West in San Francisco. Um, I, and the reason being, if you look at the logo for the WWDC event, which just today it came out, 
you know, I don't want to read too much into this. This is not like, I'm not trying to decipher the logos here, but it sure looks like an Apple TV in the center of the logo to me. And we've heard rumors of Apple TV getting an upgrade. It hasn't really seen one since the 2013 refresh. And there's talk of HomeKit, you know, being uh, on the Apple TV as a, as a hub, which I like, as we know from the last show, because I don't want a gazillion Wi-Fi things on my network. And Stacy's laughing at me again. Okay. I am laughing at you. Although <laughs> now the big, the big thing about HomeKit mm-hmm. and the big thing about made for the made for I devices program mm-hmm. is it's kind of Wi-Fi based. So a lot of these devices have a kind of part of the security and certification is over the Wi-Fi network. So it could be that even if there is a home hub component, that they mm-hmm. will also be on your Wi-Fi network. That's I very hate, true. I hate to break it to you, Kevin. You're, you're bursting my bubble, but that's okay. I can live with that. I was just thinking with this this whole uh, WDC. Okay. WDC. WDC. It's like worldwide develop WWDC. It, yeah, it's, it's it should be WDC, but whatever. Worldwide developer conference. Okay. Uh, we we need to get you like a conspiracy Kevin's conspiracy corner. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. But we're gonna change your name to Kevin with a C because I can't do I can't do the three Ks. It's not happening. But CCC, so this is your Apple WDC conspiracy corner we're having here, that that the logo is shaped like an Apple TV. Mm -hmm. Thus, we're going to have an Apple TV refresh at the event, and it's going to be HomeKit kind of based because the Apple TV refresh might include the HomeKit Apple TV Home Hub. Yes. I think that's a safe bet, regardless of the logo, quite honestly. I think that's a safe bet. I mean, there's been some leaks and rumors about the new Apple TV and that it will have more apps. It will get a refresh in terms of apps. And when you think of HomeKit and apps, it just all fits together. I agree with you. So as someone who's played around with multiple home hubs already, Mm -hmm. the biggest weakness of Apple's HomeKit when it was tied to the phone was when your phone leaves, your house suddenly has no brain. Mm Mm-hmm. And that is just dumb because you still want things that you schedule or scenes to happen, especially things like security, like my lights to go on and off when I'm out, you know, or my shades to close when I leave. All of those things still need to happen even if you're not there. So it makes total sense that you would have some sort of thing to govern this inside the house. Now, I am really excited. Like an Apple TV is fine. I hope that Apple doesn't just put it in an Apple TV. And here's mm. why. Because I don't, I would love to see kind of the intelligence in a home not be relegated to just one device. Because I don't want to buy a specific device to manage my, to act as a bridge basically mm-hmm. in my home. Right. So, so could that be done? Uh, and will iCloud be a big part of this? I suspect yes. Probably. So Apple has Apple TV, they also have the airport for example. Mm-hmm. So I could see like that acting as kind of the hub or bridge device for a lot of these things like Bluetooth locks, for example. You know, you want to add Wi-Fi to these Bluetooth locks that might work with HomeKit instead of buying a bunch of bridge devices, which mm-hmm. would suck because how many outlets do you have free in your house right now? None. Right. Absolutely you none. You have none. So you would hate all these Bluetooth locks and Bluetooth devices that require a Wi-Fi bridge because you have to plug it into an outlet and it just lives there all the time. Every outlet has a Wi-Fi device in it in my house. It's crazy. See, you, you've got more stuff on your network <laughs> and they're taking up outlets. I know. So, so you do something like you stick it inside your airport and then boom, you've got a device doing double duty. 
so I'm just thinking about all the kind of protocol, or not protocols, all the devices that Apple could reasonably call a hub. It could mm-hmm. be Apple TV, it could be that. I don't know. What else could we do? It could be their brand new cool device, like an, an Amazon Echo type device that Ooh. isn't an Echo, but is like a Siri. I don't know. Mm. Mm. I like that idea. Like the butler? Because fundamentally, here's my crazy prediction. Like a year or two after HomeKit is launched, Apple will launch its real product for the connected home. And that product will be fundamentally different in a true kind of something completely different for the home that makes it usable for the mainstream consumer. I, I don't know. I think you're wrong because I can't see how they would design a logo for that. But that's just, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I, I, think you, I think you're spot on. I mean, uh, this, is, this has been a long time coming. I mean, Apple announced HomeKit at last year's WWDC, if I recall correctly. So last June. So it's been a long time just to get to product version one. And as we all know, it's, what does Apple do? They introduce a product that doesn't have every single possible feature or the best features just yet or the best experience yet. And they iterate and iterate, and all of a sudden, they've got you know a market-leading product. So yes, I would agree with you. Well, yeah, and they don't even have a product right now. And actually, right. at South by Southwest, Jason Johnson, who is the CEO of August, the Connected Lock, who is mm-hmm. a HomeKit partner, he actually said that what people may not realize is Apple came to them and said, hey, we need a lock specification. And since you're one of our partners, design us a lock specification. Mm-hmm. So they did. And so that's kind of how that came to be. And that's how HomeKit specs for other products also came about is they worked with their partners to develop it. So mm-hmm. my hunch is Chamberlain, which is their partner on the garage door side, did the garage door spec. Mm-hmm. So yay for all their partners who got in on the ground floor there. And that means actually for people who are used to working with those products, you probably have a good sense of what it's going to be like to work with HomeKit specs then. It's a huge advantage. Oh, totally. But it also means that, you know, we probably aren't going to see a lot of really cool, innovative new stuff. You know, we're going to see kind of what we expect to see. I don't know. So I'm, I'm trying to picture what I need in my home today or tomorrow that's going to be made of aluminum or aluminum. And, hmm. you know, I want sitting somewhere doing something that I don't even know. Actually, I do know. I want it to anticipate my every need and give me what I need. Um, Is that so much to ask? Is that so much? Really? I mean, (laughs) I'm still waiting for my husband and my daughter to get it. But, you know, they're they're not designed by Johnny Ive. So (laughs) there's hope. So you you mentioned Amazon Echo. I was going to say, and speaking of the Echo. And speaking, look at that. We're segueing into segues now. Uh, There was some big news. I read it. Uh, but not in detail. I knew you would. That's why I didn't. What's the big news? Because it is big news. I think it is the biggest news. Amazon actually supports Hue and Wemo over the Amazon Echo now. So, yay! yay! I now leave my, I leave my living room, guys, and I say, Alexa, turn off living room lights, and they go off. Boom. Oh. Alexa says, okay, and they go off. It's amazing. I always want to say thank you, actually. And I catch other people in my house doing the same thing. (laughs) We're always like talking to Alexa. We're like, Alexa, please do this. And she says, okay. And we're like, thank you. So I have both a polite family and we don't know how to talk to a robot. So what it does is 
if you want to set this up, if you're one of the few people who have an Amazon Echo, it's in beta, and you just say, Alexa, discover my devices, and Alexa goes through your Wi-Fi and discovers your Wemo devices, and she right now it only supports three Wemo devices. It supports the outlet, the outlet plus energy savings, and the light switch mm-hmm. on Wemo. And the Wemo is a little buggy. I'm going to tell you this because the Wemo API is a little buggy. Anyone who's worked with it will, will back that up. On the Hue side, it supports the Hue colored lights in the light bulb shape, so the A19, and then the mm-hmm. down lights, the BR30s, the light strips, and the bloom things. Does not support the thing we talked about last week, the Hugo. No Hugo yet. No Hugo. That was the bowl, the bowl with a light in it. The bowl with a light in it that was wireless. A, and batteries, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't support that yet. And it also supports, did I say the Hue Lux white lights? You didn't, but now you did. Now I did. So it supports those too. And it's a little bit weird. So it took me a while to figure out how to group the lights. In the Hue app, you mm-hmm. can't actually group your Hue lights in a room setting which I've always, the Hue app drives me nuts. Yeah. Um, so I've got four living room lights and they're named really stupid things like left front living room light, mm-hmm. right front living room light. So if I were talking to Alexa, I would have to say, turn on left front living room light. And I would have to do that four times with each individual mm-hmm. light bulb. And that would be like excruciating. Mm-hmm. So since you can't group it in the Hue app, you have to group it in the Amazon Echo app. That's, I was wondering if there was an interface in the Amazon app now. There is, but it took me a while to find it. I actually found it with the help of Dave Zatz, who mm-hmm. is the blogger over at Zatz Not Funny. If you guys like our show, you would love Zatz Not Funny. Mm-hmm. Is it is it the URL just www.zatznotfunny.com? Yeah, yeah. Yep. There, there you go. Um, so he, he tipped me off to how, how you can actually find and group them in the Amazon Echo app. And so now... I have named it Living Room Lights. Mm-hmm. And so once grouped, you can just tell Alexa, turn on Living Room Lights. You can tell Alexa, dim Living Room Lights to 50%. You cannot manage the color preferences in the hues mm. okay. with Alexa. And there's a little weirdness that I'm sure they will update out. But right now, if you're turning the hue lights off, you can say turn off or switch off. But if you're turning the Wemo off, mm. you have to say switch off and mm. only switch off. Yeah, I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of those very specific commands. Like my Xbox has the same thing and I often turn it off by voice. I do a lot of voice control with it. And sometimes I say the wrong turn off command. I'll say switch off or something and it does nothing but blink at me. And I'm like, what? What did I say? Obviously not the right thing. The nice thing about the interface is when you get it right, Alexa will say, okay. Mm-hmm. When you get it wrong, you get this tone that is like, mm. sad trombone. It, it's, it's, that would be better. <laughs> Instead, you just get this like, mm. yeah. it's like the sad chime. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. So let me ask you this, since you now have connected, I'm sorry, you have controlled these devices through several interfaces now in the past, I don't know how many months. Is there, what, what kind of lag time is there between Alexa and say your lights going on or off? Less than a second. Okay. It's okay. really it's really very effective. And what I've done, because Alexa has a remote control, a lot of people brought this up. They're like, I only have an Echo in one room of my house, but mm-hmm. I have Hughes in other rooms. Good point. My 
downstairs is a big open floor plan. So I have it in the downstairs kitchen area and I can control my entire kitchen, living, dining room. That's the area where you have your blender that just goes on by itself yes. when somebody hacks your network. Yeah, okay. I'm that's, with you now. That's where I have the vengeful blender that just scares <laughs> the bejesus out of people. That's where I keep that, yes. Yeah. Um, we keep it there, but I keep the remote control upstairs because I have the hue lights in our bedside table lamp. Mm-hmm. So now I can tell the remote control. I'm like, Alexa, turn off bedside table lamps. And that works upstairs because it right. doesn't really matter. Yeah. So now it's like I have two echoes for controlling my in, upstairs in a sense, and downstairs. Yeah, because the remote that comes with the Echo, actually, um, you can speak to and it does its thing, just like the Amazon Echo itself does. Okay, right. that makes sense. Is there a third option in that you can control through a phone interface with Amazon? You know, I, there is an Amazon Echo app. I don't believe it's in here. So there you go. Something. Wah, wah. Wah, wah. <laughs> Sad shine. So there you go. Because then, think about it, then yeah. with, with uh, iOS uh, or Android Wear watch, you could even speak to your watch and do it that way. Won't even have to take the phone out of your pocket. So here's the deal, though, Kevin. What's Once that? you take your phone and you open an app, you mm. might as well just do it from the apps that are already on your phone. Yeah, but with the watch, you don't even have to unlock the phone or open the app. Because all okay. these apps right now for the watches are extensions of the phone apps. So, boom. Okay. Boom, I say. Boom. Boom. Okay. <laughs> True fairness, you are right. All right. So, stay tuned because this is all I have on the Echo, unless you have other questions, Kevin. No, I'm just happy to see that kind of integration. I didn't buy an Echo, even though I had the invitation, partly because it didn't do enough and had no home integration. Now we're seeing the first steps for that and now i'm much more intrigued by it but you don't have any hue lights i don't have anything right now because because i'm a slacker and haven't reinstalled all of my crap so once again i'm gonna i'm gonna push for the insteon here we go kevin let's see where where are we now how many i'm six months behind i'd say you've been you've been harping on me to get this more than my wife Actually, she could care less. She just flips the stupid switches. But you know, anyway. it was it was my birthday on Sunday. I know. Happy birthday! I missed it. I apologize. Yeah, and you know what would have been a great birthday present? Turning on your blender from Pennsylvania here. What? No, that would have, that would have been very exciting. <laughs> I was gonna say, let me make you a mixed drink. <laughs> that would have been very exciting, yeah. actually. Um, no, I would say installing some Insteon stuff. Uh, okay. Okay. You know, since. Since you're not going to get the Apple Watch for a while, I'm just I have nothing thinking, better to do than set up Insteon stuff in my house. You're right. You're I mean, right. I mean, really, Kevin, it's it's like you don't have another job or something. I know. You're not I covering know. mobile or anything for Zena. Nah, you're not so. writing four or five posts a day, almost seven days a week again. Nah. No. Nah. <laughs> so okay. Well, I think that's probably some awesome stuff that we've talked about. And if you stay tuned, you will learn we have Bluetooth lighting coming down the pike. We talked to William Silovitz Smits, who is a VP of marketing at Sora. And Sora is a company that provides lights for restaurants like California Pizza Kitchen and hotels like Starwood. Mm -hmm. And they did a deal with a company called Seed 
to put Bluetooth connected lights in a lot of really cool public places that you will be at very soon. And we talk about what that means for you as a user and what it means for the businesses and the opportunities that it gives them. And guys, it is pretty darn exciting. I am very curious to hear what he has to say, because when I think of Bluetooth, I think of personal security and pairing and such. So I'm curious. Personal security? Well, like when I, when you turn your Bluetooth phone, Bluetooth on your phone, don't you see like a gazillion Bluetooth devices around you? Be prepared to see a lot more. Fair enough. Awesome. Stay tuned. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Internet of Things podcast. And we are talking about my favorite topic this week with William Silovitz Smits, who is the director of marketing for a company called Sora. Sora is a lighting company based out of Fremont, California. So, hi, William. How are you? Hi, Stacy. I'm fine. Excellent. Thanks. Thank you for joining us today. So, I would love for you to tell us a little bit about Sora. Well, uh, Sora is a, is a company with, I think, a very interesting background uh, because one of our founders uh, is Shuji Nakamura. Shuji uh, got awarded the Nobel Prize uh, in physics uh, last year in 2014 uh, because of his uh, contributions to the invention of the, uh, the blue LED, which he used basically for all wide LED uh, general illumination. Um, he invented that in Japan. Um, later, he moved to California uh, did some new inventions on LEDs, uh, which he calls uh, LED 2.0. It's based on a different material system. Um, and our company, SOA, was founded based on the invention of Shuji Nakamura, uh, his uh, LED 2.0 invention. We have been, um, we have been making lamps uh, based on this new LED technology, which we call GAN on GAN, and we have done that since 2012. Awesome. So by lamps, you actually mean light bulbs, yes? Yes. All right. And for the most part, your customers are kind of commercial clients and high-end residential. Yes, that's correct. Um, what we do is in our lamps, we focus on very good color rendering and we focus on directional lights. And directional lights are used in restaurants, in, uh, in, in, in stores, for example, uh, fashion retail, but also in, uh, in homes. And some of your commercial customers are companies like California Pizza Kitchen and let's see, who else are some of your customers? Yeah, we have uh, we have a lot of REIT uh, restaurant chains. For example, you mentioned California Pizza Kitchen. There's there's uh, brew pubs that use our lamps. Uh, there's higher end restaurants. Anywhere, you know, when you look in a restaurant, typically the lamps are mounted pretty high up in the ceiling, and people try just to create a pool of light over a table uh, when you would have dinner. So there's one lamp for every table, and you need a pretty narrow spot beam. Uh, to create that, uh, that that lighting effect, um, and uh, yeah, like you said, restaurants is where people use that. Um, museums is also uh, is a nice place where people use our lamps. Okay, and so we're talking today because for the first time ever, you guys are announcing that you're doing a partnership with a company called Seed to add Bluetooth connectivity to your lamps. I thought that this was pretty cool. Because one, I feel like this 2015 is the year for Bluetooth. And two, I think it's actually really interesting to talk to a kind of lighting manufacturer about kind of the future of connected lighting. And I, I wanted to talk to you about why Bluetooth and then go into kind of what your customers are going to be doing with this. So 
what do you guys think? Like, why are you adding connectivity to your lighting now? What is the promise and the hope here? Oh, uh, yeah, it, it's incredibly exciting for us. And it, it's for a number of reasons. You know, one of the things that um, people that, that determine how lighting looks like, and, and I mentioned the museum or uh, a restaurant, for example, are typically lighting designers. And um, when they do uh, a lighting design, they really try to figure out how the space looks uh, like uh, when it gets dark. So you can imagine that you want a light on a on a piece of art. You want a piece of you want light over a table. You want light in hallways. And there's there's how they talk about this is that they want to create different layers of light. Um, these layers of light are uh, controlled today, typically with a with a simple dimmer. But it's it's incredibly cumbersome because once you create a, want to create a certain light layer, you work with a group of lights. And how it works today is that every group of light has to be on a common circuit if you want to operate these lamps together. So on the one hand, you have the sort of artistic desire, the space is desired to look in a certain way. And on the other hand, the lighting designer has to bring that together with the actual circuit of how everything is wired together. And um, I think one of the really cool things that you can do with wireless is that you can control every lamp individually by itself. So this whole constraint of how everything is going to be wired together, that is gone. You can have lamps, multiple lamps on a single switch, a wall switch or a wall control panel, but have access to every lamp individually uh, to what level uh, it is uh, it is dimmed. So it can go full on, it can go very deep dimming, and you can do that uh, individually. So for for our customers and for the lighting designers, I think this is very exciting. That's kind of at a lighting designer level. So if I'm in a restaurant, I know that I've been at a restaurant because I have a young child. So we tend to dine a little early and we'll have this kind of moment in time around like 6.30 or maybe it's at seven o'clock when all of a sudden we go from like daytime dining to it goes dim and we're suddenly in romantic nighttime dining where the the lights are like 30% lower. And so what you're telling me is that could be maybe a more subtle shift or maybe that happens in certain areas of the restaurant or certain tables. How does this actually play out for the consumer when they're sitting in a restaurant? Yeah, so what you in an example of a restaurant, you can imagine that you have tables closer to the window and you have tables further back in the restaurant. So today that has to be, often that works on the same circuit. So in the, in the back of the restaurant, it tends to be a little bit darker than at the window. If the lights are dimmed, everything dims to the same degree. Well, if you're still at the window and it's bright outside, that is a little bit overlit, and back in the restaurant, that is uh, that would be underlit. So now you can individually dial that in. But there, there is, especially related to Bluetooth, there is something that is really interesting. What we like about Bluetooth is that everybody has Bluetooth in their pocket, in their phone. And that, that's been like that for, for quite a while already. So, And if you have a Bluetooth a smart lamp, you can connect to that lamp without what you typically have with either Zigbee or Wi-Fi setup. Uh, you would need a router and passwords and the whole uh, process of connecting to a connected device. is it, It's not very complicated, but it's not instantaneous. And what you can do with Bluetooth, you have instantaneous access to a lamp. So you can imagine in a restaurant that I think a lot of people think that restaurants, you have to, when you come in, it can be quite dark and uh, it takes a while to get used to the to the light level. You read the menu 
sometimes there's almost not enough light to read the menu comfortably. And then, you know, there's people that can work with less light and the people that need more light. We can imagine that uh, in a restaurant, within a certain bandwidth, uh, we give people adjustability of, their, of the light above their own table. I mentioned there in, in a restaurant uh, setting, it's typical to have one line for one table. We can imagine that, that, that when you sit at the table, uh, depending on your mood and your needs, uh, you make within a certain range adjustments to the lights uh, above your table. That is possible with a directional lamp that is uh, Bluetooth uh, connected. Okay, so I could, I could read my menu if I can't see it, or maybe I could turn the lights up when I'm looking for my inevitable drop silverware or napkin that always happens when I'm at a restaurant. You can't take me anywhere. <laughs> so what does this mean for the restaurant? If I'm, you know, California Pizza Kitchen or Stacy's Fine Dining Establishment, are there opportunities for me to, I mean, it's a better customer experience. It also seems like it might be kind of a pain for servers in terms of having to educate the consumer. So how are they looking at this as kind of a, a revenue generating opportunity? Or maybe it's a one of those things where they're like, oh, our designers love it, but the servers are like, oh, this is like TVs in the back of a plane where you're like, this is going to be like a pain in the butt from a tech perspective to like talk to consumers about and keep running. I don't know. We, we don't know yet. Um, I think really how people will use it and what is a really good use. But you know what I'm seeing is that almost every restaurant of, of, of considerable size or even a retail chain, they have their own apps. So there is a, a Macy's app, there is Kohl's apps in, in the retail space. And like I said, most restaurants have their own apps. It's not always clear what you do with those apps. Some some let you reserve a table, uh, most don't. But well, in, in general, what we see is that if we give customers the ability to interact with the space, that opens new ways for the retail chain or the restaurant owner to create interactive um, uh, experiences with customers and actually get more out of these applications that we created. Um, because when I look at these applications, honestly, I would need tons of them to cover every place that I visit on a regular basis. Uh, but I don't get a lot out of those apps because I can see the menu and, and, and that's about it. So I think what lighting and uh, in combination with Bluetooth connected lighting has the opportunity for people to start interacting with the, with the public space. And there is a connection with uh, mobile applications there. And I think that's in that, those areas, that's where we see opportunities. That makes sense. I mean, that's the Starwood hotel chain is using connected locks actually as part of a reason to join the Starwood kind of guest program and that is a really compelling reason to book through them is that you can actually use your phone to unlock the doors. These sorts of kind of real world interactions are a really interesting reason to get people to actually use the apps. I will say though having 800 apps on your phone for each individual place that you go is still kind of not something that I think most people want to do, but for like the top 10 places, it could be a compelling enough reason. Yep. Now, in, in the case, by the way, of the Starwood Hotel is that uh, once you have unlocked your door, uh, imagine walking into the room, uh, if you stayed there before, uh, I noticed that a lot of these rooms look pretty similar. The lights turn on the way you like it because that's stored in the app and the app connects to the lights immediately. So in addition to opening the door, you get a scene as you like it. Oh, now that would be cool. Is Starwood a customer of yours? They have bought a few of our lamps, yeah. You're working with a company called Seed. 
that has a protocol called Silver that is the Bluetooth kind of back end for all of this. Now, my guess is that if you integrated with Starwood, or you, you decided to work with Starwood and, and tied it to their guest backend, they have a different Bluetooth backend for their locks program. So would something like that be difficult to kind of bring together? How, how would that work? So the, um, the main reason for us uh, working uh, with Seed is that we know a ton about lighting. We know how to make great directional lamps. Um, uh, we think we know more about LEDs than almost any LED manufacturer. Uh, that's 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 our home turf. What we really like about working with uh, Seed is that they use a very broadly distributed platform like Bluetooth uh, Smart. But they really that's nice nice by itself. That the software that they create, uh, the software stack that they created on top of Bluetooth uh, Smart, accounts for these interoperability uh, challenges, and it, it it really makes Bluetooth uh, Smart work for these things. So yeah, interoperability is, is is a big topic, and I think Seed will help us navigate through those areas. Got it. Okay. Well, well, that's that would be really exciting because lamps are a great spot to put presence detection and Bluetooth beacons are kind of something I'm really excited about. And I'm curious with your lights, are beacons something that you're considering kind of presence detection via the lights? It could be for your restaurant customers, it could be like in hotels, but once you have kind of a Bluetooth radio, you also have the ability to say Hey, this phone belongs to Stacy, or this is Stacy's wearable. And then using that information tied to an app on my phone, you can, you can offer me that that preference that you know Stacy likes her her room this way. Or last time Stacy was in this restaurant, she ordered this. Maybe you want to offer her a coupon. Yeah, absolutely. We're very excited about beacons. You know what the the nice thing is about lamps? They're everywhere, and there's power by definition, to every light point. So if, if you talk about uh, beacons, so beacons are used in uh, by some retailers today. I installed an app not too long ago on my phone to see if any, anywhere I am how many Bluetooth-enabled devices are around. And it's, it's, it's quite a lot. But the beauty of a lamp is that it's already powered. So attaching a beacon or a sensor to a lamp is is something that is uh, really easy, and I think lamps in in the, in the overall uh, space of Internet of Things, lamps are a really good platform for attaching sensors and beacons to. So is that something that Sora does, or is that something that Seed does with their platform? Like, how does that kind of get worked out? So integrating um, integrating sensors into our products, that's something that we would take on. How that connects, that is something that we would work on with uh, Seed. Coming full circle for you guys. So these are the first connected products. We should see these in the market for you guys at what time frame? I know you're work- you've announced the partnership. So how long till we see connected Sora lamps? So I expect before this summer that we will have some uh, some pretty exciting uh, pretty exciting product announcement. Do you think you'll offer lamps that? aren't connected like in two years or do you think you'll go all connected like what is the future of your business well there's i firmly believe that everything will be connected it's relatively affordable to make uh, to turn a non-connected lamp into a connected lamp and uh, you can make a it will be almost the default option what the percentage of how it is being used i think you know there's a lot of uh, 
people don't rewire homes or don't rewire restaurants or hotels every every two years. So I think we will see in the beginning a lot of lamps that can run in both a connected and a non-connected mode. Maybe not every lamp that we will sell in two years will have uh, will be wirelessly connected, but we expect it to go uh, really quickly. I am super excited about kind of that future, and I can't wait for more Bluetooth lamps. I'm kind of like chafing at the bit to actually, I, I'm sitting here looking at my own house and I'm like, gosh, we could rewire a circuit. And my husband's like, oh, yeah, I guess we could. And I'm like, or we could just wait another year and then there'll be Bluetooth lights. And my husband, who is a long suffering man, I have to tell you, when it comes to connected gadgets, kind of looks at me with like a little bit of fear in his eyes. He's like, yes, we could wait for Bluetooth gadgets to come light bulbs, I guess. <laughs> But here's the here's the other side. Of it. I don't know about uh, yourself. When I do home improvement projects, getting the electrical circuit uh, in place and done is is one of my biggest headaches, especially when it comes to lighting, because I want a light source in a certain space and there's no outlet there. There's no uh, electrical point there. So that's where I spend most of my time actually uh, doing the project. And then if I include dimmers, uh, I have to figure all that out as well. And um, with with a connected lamp. Uh, you make it a lot simpler. All you have to worry about, where is the electrical point? Uh, but you don't have to worry about which circuit is it on, what dimmer is it on, all that stuff. So for implementing a, a better lighting, it, it's it's a lot easier. That's why I can't wait for this year, which is supposed to be the year of Bluetooth. So, so start launching. Get those products out in the market. Um, all right. And so how long do you think it'll be until you guys have possibly more than just Bluetooth in your lamps. Are we talking next year? Are we talking five years out till we see kind of like sensor-rich lamps in the home and business environments? No, it will be it will be quicker than that. We're moving as quickly as we can. Uh, it's probably next year for us. But yeah, we, we're, uh, we're, we're looking at uh, adding a beacon is something that is, uh, once you have the Bluetooth uh, uh, architecture done, it's pretty straightforward. But, you know, light level sensing makes a lot of sense for, for lamps, obviously, because the lamp can decide by itself when it turns on and off. So, and it, it you know, without sensors, a, a connected lamp is just a connected lamp. It's not by itself a smart lamp. So, for a light source to become smart, we have to add sensors to it. And a light level sensor, uh, a presence detection sen- sensor, those are the, the obvious things to look at there. But we, we firmly believe that, so that light sources can become smart sources and sensors are required for them. I love it. I agree totally with you. You do need sensors for things to be smart. So, William, thank you so much for coming on the podcast to talk about this. I... I am really excited about the future of lighting, as all of my, my audience will tell you. They're like, stop talking about lighting, Stacy, please. So thank you so much. Okay, my pleasure. Yeah, I, I love talking about this stuff, and it's, it's, uh, it's going to be fun and exciting. And that's it for this week's show. So we'll see you next week on the Internet of Things podcast.